Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So, uh, also, be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. hope that you are staying warm during this polar vortex time um and part of my voice right now a little bit here uh, my nose is all stuffed up we haven't had the real brunt of the polar vortex um we've had maybe four degrees three degrees i think and then our feels like outside was negative 18 um but for the most part stayed inside this whole time and again you gotta excuse this intro and also keep in mind for uh, next week when we talk to Eric Rue, I'm still a little bit sick in that episode, maybe a little bit worse than I am now. So, um, But anyway, I just wanted to get that out of the way, and I wanted to remind you guys that we are still accepting applications for the SID Cast Huddle Program. What you'll basically be doing is uh, writing once a month, basically. Um, it, it could either be some topic that I give you, maybe some topic that uh, you come up with yourself. It varies from month to month. Uh, that's pending if we get four to five people to do it. Uh, and the way that you sign up or apply for that is email uh, sportsinfocast at gmail.com, which is our email address. Um, put a little brief highlight. I mean, you can add your resume if you want. I put resume on the graphic, but uh, maybe like a little brief career uh, synopsis, if you will. I don't need an entire resume, but um, I would like to know where you've been, what you've done, some of your accolades, uh, and then also uh, answer the following two questions. First being, uh, why do you want to uh, help out SIDCast and the huddle program? And the second question, answer, uh, why is it important to tell the SID story? And again, as I mentioned, email gmail.com to get all that done. Uh, just want to give you guys a quick reminder on that. So, uh, on to today's guest, which is Maddie Heaps. She, well, actually, Lamar Carter uh, emailed me, or not emailed me, sent me a message, I think that was back in August, Lamar, um, about a student assistant that he had had at Cal. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I usually don't do student assistants. Um, I usually don't do people my age, uh, usually. But um, as I was going through, and I... I we were getting better at uh, interviewing, at recording, at the uh, flow of the, the process of everything. So I thought I'd give it a shot. Um, Maddie said that she did not want to do the interview until after football season was over, which is understandable. Uh, so we finally caught up with her up in Ypsilanti, and she was all knee-deep in snow, I believe, or something like that, or it, it being cold at least. And what we talked about was uh, her path up from – high school basically and then going to college and working her way through Cal and getting responsibilities she essentially started at a sports information office day one of her freshman year which is absolutely insane to think about I know some of you have done that I think I did it maybe three four weeks after I started college um, but I couldn't imagine going in day one and saying like okay 
I got to go to class and then I got to be in the office just to say hi and work on stuff. Um, but we will go through all of that. She's also, I, I like Maddie. She is, um, she's very driven, I think. Uh, I think that's the right word to use. Very bright when it comes to these sorts of things. Um, and very well balanced, I would say. I just enjoy talking to her overall. So uh, without further ado, guys, let's get into it. Episode number 107 of SID Cast with Maddie Heaps of the Eastern Michigan Eagles and her very first taste of sports information right here on SID Cast. Uh, I think my first taste of sports information was back at Cal. I was an undergrad. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do necessarily besides I knew I wanted to be in sports. Um, So I pretty much opened uh, up calbears.com and just went searching for uh, internships, Uh anything that I could find that was open. Um, And I ended up taking a a fan experience internship. Um, And on the same day, I went upstairs and I had a friend who knew my boss for Benison. Uh, who had reached out to him and said, like, hey, I know this girl. Mm-hmm. She may be able to help you. Um, like, would you give her an interview? And he was like, yeah, I'll have my my uh, coworker Mara interview her. And I interviewed. And the day before I started college, I started at Cal Athletics. And I spent four years there doing my undergrad and then working all four years. Yeah. So I think that was my first taste of being an SID athletic media relations, all right. that good stuff. What was kind of your mindset going into college? Because not a whole lot of people do that. Uh, either, uh, like, a lot of people in this industry, A, like myself, fall into it accidentally, or B, yeah. um, don't want to do anything during college. And, and I'm sure you've experienced those types of people. So why why were you so gung-ho about finding an experience right into college? Um, so when I was applying to schools, I was looking for schools with a sports management program. I had been a manager at my high school. Um, I had started our manager program at my private high school because I didn't want to play sports. And there was Mm -hmm. a requirement that you had to play sports, get PE credits because we didn't have PE. Yeah. Like it was a a really small school. And so they didn't have like uh, enough teachers to teach a PE class. So you would just either play sports or find another way to get PE credits. And I played volleyball and sat on the bench for four years, wasn't very good and wanted to find a way out of it basically. Uh And I did. So I did a lot of scorekeeping and, following around the teams and setting up the gym and running around like a chicken with my head cut off, which I feel like is the description of being an SID. That's right. Um, so, um, but I was applying to sports management programs, got into the program here at U of M actually, um, and was gung ho set to go, um, had submitted my like acceptance. I was going to go. And then I got, uh, my acceptance to Berkeley and decided that the best choice for my family at the time was for me to stay in Berkeley, stay close to home. Uh, they were going to pay for school. Hmm. Um, and so it just made more sense for me to stay home. But the big issue with choosing Cal was, is that it didn't have any type of sports management right? I didn't think it did. or anything like that. So uh-huh. it was basically up to me to, if I wanted to really work in sports, I had to make something work. And I knew that if I just waited and hoped something would come to me, nothing would come to me. And so I just decided that like, I had to use the connections I had in sports right now uh, at 17 and 18 and use those to jump, get a head start in. I knew people in the Bay Area. Um, I knew my athletic director and my assistant athletic director would do anything for me. And so in high school, I used those. 
I used those tools and I used them to help get me into college. And then I used them to help me get into finding a job. And I knew that I, one, like to talk a lot and I (laughs) like to talk about sports a lot. Um, but, and that I didn't want to be a typical girl, um, in any way I wanted to be anything besides typical. I wanted to change the landscape of what people thought was typical in sports. So, um, I was just like, I'll take whatever job they'll give me. If I hate it, I can quit. Mm-hmm. Um, I still to this day, I've never quit a job. Um, so I don't know why I'd say I could quit. I uh-huh. don't, I'm not a, I'm not a person that quits. I, uh, took me four, four years to leave Cal and it was cause I graduated. <laughs> so, um, I'm, but I figured I could just take something and try it. And if I hated it, I, you know, I'll, I'll do my six months and I'll peace out. Um, and so when I found sports communications and being an SID, I didn't actually know at all what it was, but I did know that I loved following the giants on Twitter. I loved talking about sports and I wanted to change the landscape of sports. And so it just kind of fit all of those things that I had a goal to do. And so when I found it and I found Cal and I found Mara Rudolph, who is such an inspiration to me and really got me to understand the basics of the industry and what I was doing and why I was doing it. Um, I fell in love and I never left. That's also a habit of the fact that I don't quit things. I always want to see them all the way through. Um, and so once I had started at Cal, I just kind of decided like, you know, like you're going to have my heart. I'm going to be here for four years and I am probably one of the only students that they've ever had last for that long. Um, so it was cool. What did people say when you told them that you wanted to have a career in sport? Um, a lot of people ask me if I want to be Aaron Andrews. I still get that. I'm 22 years old. I've moved across the country to do this uh-huh. job and I still get asked pretty regularly if I want to be Aaron, Aaron Andrews. Um, it's a pretty common question. Um, is that so like, the only oh, person wanna, I know or what? <laughs> it's, it's not a, it's a, she does her job very well, uh-huh. but what I wanting to do is I don't want to be in front of the camera. I want to stay behind the scenes. I love what I do right now and I want to continue doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think telling stories in the way that I get to tell them is such an inspirational and fun thing to do. So why would I want to change, change mm-hmm. that? Um, but yeah, people kind of laughed, um, especially being somebody who like went to Berkeley, people would be like, why would you go to Berkeley for something like to work in sports? It doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many other options I could have taken and other roads I could have taken. And so I think people kind of just thought it'd be a phase and I'd take the phase and then I'd move through it and I'd move on. Um, but I mean, I knew it was what I was going to do. And my family knew what it was what I was going to do. And so we just let everybody laugh until they saw it was going to be something real, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, did, were, what were some things that they had you do as a freshman? I mean, how did the staff kind of treat you that during that first year? I mean, I was never treated like, you know, n- never was like, go get coffee, Maddie, like, or go yeah. do this, Maddie. Or, that was never the way that Cal treated me. Uh, it was a lot of like getting me into a routine of understanding how to run a game day. I did a lot of game day operations. So that was everything from setting up a press row to setting up our press conferences to making sure that we were getting good content when I was on the floor and when I was there. Uh, it was a lot of stuff like that. And then when I was in the office, I was just kind of learning the basics of everything. Like what the heck was Photoshop? What the heck was InDesign? Like <laughs> yeah. all of these things that I had no idea what to do. Um, and also the fact that I came into this industry and this idea of working in this industry, hating writing, hated everything about writing, Mm -hmm. did not like to write. Um, didn't think I ever wanted to do something with writing. I wanted to, you know, like get through college and never have to write an essay again. 
and here I sit writing every single day <laughs> for my job. But, um, yeah, so it was just, like, really getting my feet wet. I was spending about 40 hours a week in the office uh, doing different things depending on the day. Uh, they really let me get a taste of everything, um, which was incredible because I was kind of the person that could do it all. Uh, I think somewhere that I lacked was that I couldn't do some, one thing really well, but I could do everything. And so, like, worst comes to worst, like, comes to the bottom line, whatever, I could always do it. And they always knew that, like, if they had to rely on somebody, they could rely on me to show up and be there and do it. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's, like, a little bit of a tangent. But no, it was did. a little bit of everything. Never <laughs> getting coffee or anything, but I labeled a lot of photos. Um, yeah, that's been fun. I still do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm spent sure a lot, lot of people labeling still do photos, that. Did a lot of... Uh, you know, things of updating, updating notes, stuff uh, like that. Stuff I still do every single day. So, um, all pretty basic stuff, but I was still getting a taste of doing a little bit of everything. Worked football, worked basketball, worked a little bit of everything, which yeah. is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, we talked, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I mean, maybe it might've been last week, uh, with Wags when he left the industry and we, both had a discussion on this. When we both left the industry, we were doing stuff that we didn't want to do. Uh, and um, I'm sure for you, going through four years at Cal, where you weren't studying sport at all, I mean, what was that like for you? What kind of the mentality and the mindset to kind of keep pushing forward through something that you might have enjoyed it, and then there might have been stuff that yeah. you really didn't enjoy? Um, I think that I just try to find a way to apply it. And so I was a, I was a double major in political science and media studies oh, okay. and media studies was the idea was like, it'll make sense, right? Like if I want to work in sports media and work in sports information, having a media studies background would be great, right? Like I should understand the industry I'm entering. Political science was, I am born and raised in the heart of someone that somewhere that people would call a bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, but all I wanted to do was learn more about why politics were the way they were and why people were the way they were and why people had all these opinions. And I had just turned 18 and learned that I could, you know, like learn about yeah. matter. And I wanted and I wanted to know why. And so um, I took one American political science class my summer of my freshman year. And I had started working on my media studies major. And the two had enough things that lined up that I was just like, I'll do both. And it'll make sense and it'll work and I'll have something I'm really passionate about and something that makes sense with the career path I'm on. And then I'll have my job, which is what I cared the most about is. And, and that's something that I can say, like my GPA reflects is that like my overall GPA, I would say could have been so much better if I would have only cared about school. But to me, it was worth it for me to work 40 hours a week and mm -hmm. work extremely long hours and have my grades somewhat quote unquote suffer because I cared more about the experience in the industry and doing well. And I knew if I could get my degree, that's what mattered was just the degree. Like a degree is a degree, no mm -hmm. matter if you have a 2.0 or a 4.0. And so like, it was just getting the degree and having that education behind me, um, as a resource. But I knew that the job experience and actually working right, every right, single right. day was going to be a lot more helpful. Yeah. I graduated with a sport management degree and we still get people that, uh, who are in our program right now at USI that, uh, don't do anything really um and they are just now getting their internship experience as a senior and all they're doing is sitting in a chair at games taking tickets like that's not much of an experience to me i'm sure it's an experience to other people but i think in this industry they need to like what you said we need to be more experience driven and that needs to be driven home quite a bit 
Um, so tell me a little bit about the first time you got to do some more hands-on things, maybe a primary sport time or, or maybe um, some hard lessons that you had to learn while at Berkeley. Yeah, um, I mean, I went through a lot personally. I mean, I was I was 18 to 22, right? Like those are years that transform you. I still think as somebody who's just about to turn 23 in a couple of weeks, like I'm still going through a lot of personal growth. So when you're learning a brand new industry and you're trying to figure out who the heck you are, uh-huh. um, those are two things, right? That like you already don't feel like you have an identity in yourself and who you are. And then you're going into a new industry and you're, and you're struggling and you're trying to learn new things and you're trying to understand something. So like you have no identity at all. You have what you're passionate about and what you care about. And that's all you have. And so I definitely struggled with that. Like, I didn't feel like I was the best at anything Mm -hmm. at that point. And it was frustrating because I didn't feel like I knew who I was. I didn't know the the entire field and I wasn't the best in my field and I wasn't, you know, the best at school. There was nothing that I like felt like I could have a grasp on being the best of. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that's definitely challenging no matter what age you were at. And I'm, that just happened to happen to me from 18 to 22. Um, I got my first chance to be pretty much like a primary contact. I would say I had a lot of help um, through my time as a primary contact, but like my name on papers and media guides and notes and, you know, press releases uh, at fall 2017, I was the cross country contact at Cal. Um, I got to work with incredible people. I got to work with the most incredible athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, I I got really lucky and it it also happened at a time where uh, my father passed away really suddenly, um, kind of out of nowhere with no, like I had no idea it was coming. It was a two week period of my life that I honestly can't describe to you because it just, you know, sick and then he died. Um, and so learning how to manage responsibility through the hardest point of my life, uh, is something that I'm like, I'm so thankful to one, the coaches that were not angry at me for not being the best I could be to for a staff that was willing to help me no matter what after they had given me this huge responsibility and I immediately was like I can't handle this because I have so much going on um but three the people that pushed me to continue like I could have been like well you know like these were not the greatest two weeks in my life and now my dad is gone and what do I do yeah. and instead I knew I had sports information and I knew I loved what I was doing and I knew I was good at it And, like, knowing that I could do it through my dad dying has been something that's driven me on and on and on. Because, like, if I can make it through the hardest point of my life and I can still be a primary contact for a sport, with, granted, a lot of help. But if I can do that, any day that I say that I'm tired or I haven't had enough coffee or whatever, like, I have made it through something so much harder than that and come out better and come out on the good side of it. So, Mm -hmm. um I got, I got really lucky that I was at a place where I could be 10 minutes from home uh, and get to be with my family and get to be my dad with my dad when he was passing. I was doing a job that I could do on my computer and I could do in my spare time. I had coaches that were willing to text and call instead of me being present. Um, and I had athletes that were supportive of me doing what I could. And that, that all of that meant the world um, to me. And I think that it just taught me a lot of like how to how to ask for help, how to mm-hmm. depend on other people, and how to trust yourself to do what you need to do and what needs to get done. Um, so yeah, it was definitely like I got my biggest um, like boost of in this industry when I was going through the hardest time of my life personally. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's crazy that those two things came together 
in such a beautiful way. And it has directed my life in such an awesome way to know that like through it all, I think about what my dad would have wanted for me and he wants me to be happy and this makes me happy. And so I'm going to continue to do it and know that I'm, I'm good at it. And that, yes, I have a lot of, a lot to learn and I'm, I'm not the best and I'm not the brightest and I'm not the flashiest, but I will work my butt off to get better every single day. Right. Um, and no matter what you put in front of me and what obstacle you put in front of me, whether it's my dad dying or moving 2000 miles away or a sport I don't understand or a really long day, like I'm going to try my best to conquer it and mm-hmm. I will fail sometimes and I will succeed other times. Um, but I'll get through it no matter what. And so there's this like crazy up and down period of my life. Fall 2017 was a psychotic year, but, uh, it was a, it was a good lesson for me. And I think it's made all of this in the direction of my life going in a path that I'm very confident in. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned a few things, um, maybe about asking for help and maybe about, um, knowing that, Hey, I'm not the best. And what was that kind of acceptance like? And what would you say to somebody like, like me, I, I pride myself on being, trying to be the best at everything. And then in this, you literally can't, there's no standings, you know? So yeah. like, what, what would you say to those types of people that, um, maybe feel stuck or maybe feel a little stressed out where they are right now? I think that's something that we, as a society in general, uh, don't value is being weak. I think that we look at weakness as this idea of being bad or wrong or Mm -hmm. dirty or ugly or whatever, but like being weak and being, um, in a place where you're not your best or not your strongest, I think is actually such a powerful thing. I think that you can't learn if you're the best at everything. You can't Mm -hmm. learn if you're always the happiest and the brightest and the tallest and the smartest, like you can't. So having points of weakness means that you have places to learn. And if we all sat around on earth every single day being the best at everything, like how boring would that be? Uh, Yeah. So like embracing (laughs) the fact that like you're going to have weaknesses and you're going to be able to gather strength from other people is something that's so exciting to me. Um, even on days where I'm like, well, I want to be really good at this and I think I'm really good at this. Um, I try to remember that like, yeah, if I was good at everything every single day, like how boring would that be? Mm -hmm. Like I would wake up knowing that I don't have anything challenging in front of me. I don't have anything to look forward to. I don't have anything to get better at. I don't have anything to grow at. And I would just drudge through life. And like, I don't want to live a life like that. I want to live a full and vibrant and positive and happy life. And so I just try to look at weakness as strength. I look at weakness as there's room for me to grow. There's room for me to get better. And so when you change your narrative, you change the story you're telling yourself, like, I, I'm not good at something. I'm a bad person. And I change that too. I'm not good at something. I have so much to learn to be a better person. Yeah. Yeah. I change the narrative and it makes it easier to digest and understand. Don't get me wrong. I still call my mom every single day and (laughs) tell her frustrations that I have Uh of, you know, like, Oh, I think I'm really good at this and no one will accept it. Or, you know, and I go through that as well, but, as often as I can change the narrative, this is what we do every day in sports, right? Like we make the narrative, what we want it to be in our, uh, in our sports and in our departments, we change it. So it's the narrative that we want to put out. Why can't we do the same thing in our lives? Why can't Mm -hmm. we do it in the same way that we look at where we're strong and where we're weak? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what it kind of boils down to as well, I was just, I was just thinking back in my head is, um, 
the weakness is not weakness. Weakness is uh, potential, I think, is what you boils down to. So you mentioned it a little bit ago. Um, tell us about moving 2,000 miles away from home. I'm sure it was quite the uh, – you told me off air that you're uh, born just outside of Oakland, I believe, and now you're in yeah. Ypsilanti, Michigan. You're in eastern Michigan, like hence yeah. the eastern Michigan. But uh, what was life like for you? I mean, what was that whole job searching process like when you got out of Cal? Um, so I was actually looking while I was at Cal. I started looking really early because I'm a crazy person and wanted to have my future. That's a funny thing. I'm like definitely the type of person that's like, yeah, I can grow and get better and stronger, but I still want to have my future planned out. And I still want to know that there's a path. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started looking around January, started getting really frustrated. I wasn't getting any um, interviews or calls back or really anything. Um, and I ended up, I worked for Cal football as a tertiary contact in the summer of 2017 um, and Tim Miguel, who is the secondary out in Berkeley, had reached out to me with this email from my now boss, Greg Steiner, with the opportunity for this position. One, never had heard of Eastern Michigan in my entire life. Uh, Two, yeah. had no idea where Ypsilanti was. And three, laughed at the thought of moving to Michigan. Like, thought it would be, like, the funniest thing. Like, that's like putting Malibu Barbie in ski wear in a bikini. Like, there's just, there was no way that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was funny. So I was, I was going to try it out though. At this point I was so frustrated. I wasn't getting, um, interviews or calls back and I felt like I had the talent and the drive and the motivation. And so, um, I put some good vibes out into the world and I thought it was kind of funny that I had, you know, when I found out where Ypsilanti was and my connection to university of Michigan back in my undergraduate days and how badly I wanted to be in Ann Arbor, um, and how that didn't work out, but this was an opportunity. It all started to kind of boil down and make sense and, and work for me. And so once I met Greg and Katie and Kyler and at the time, Tim and Allie and Dan um, here, and I got on the phone with them, the fit just, it was, it was, it was instant. It was t- like talking to people that I felt like were my family, talking to a group of people that had the same values as me of why we cover sports and why we do what we do. Um, and it ended up just like there was a lot of really crazy things that happened in the period of, of course, I had no interviews for months. And then right at the time that this opportunity came up, I got, everything. you know, three interviews yeah. and everything yeah. started coming towards me. And I had to make decisions that um, for somebody like me who doesn't like to quit or say no, um, was very hard to turn down a job or turn down an opportunity that seemed like it had a lot of potential. But this one felt like the right one for me. Um, and so I just kind of decided that. Like, heck yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move. Um, and, like, worst comes to worst, like, I'll come home after. Yeah. And, like, if it doesn't work out, like, my mom can get on a plane and in a couple hours be here. And, like, that'll be it. My sister lives in Miami right now. I was like, that's only three-hour flight away. My best friend's in D.C. And I was like, I know that's an hour away. I stopped in Detroit a 100 times on my way to D.C. Like, I, you know, I can, I can do it. Like, it's not that far. Mind you, 2,000 miles is a very long way. But in my yeah. head, I was like, you know, it's just a flight. Like, I'll be fine. <laughs> um, and so I just I just decided, you know, like, this made sense. It was free schooling, and I wasn't in debt from school before, and I wanted to keep that type of um, momentum up. I, <laughs> debt scares the crap out of me. And so I was just like, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to try it and no, try to get no. my degree and try to advance in this industry. Yeah. Uh, this is going to show my arrogance a little bit, but... um. Does it snow in California a whole lot? 
Absolutely not. Okay. I've never seen live snow in like live, like it falling from the live, sky. Yeah. <laughs> until I moved to Michigan. And what was your kind I've of reaction? I've seen snow on the ground. Um, it was. It's like really soft, which I didn't expect, because you know, like when it's on the ground, it's like a lot harder looking. But it was falling from the sky, and it didn't like hurt. It was like I was like, this is nicer than rain, because like it doesn't like hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like tried to scrape it off my windshield and um, believed people when they said to throw hot water on your windshield. Apparently that actually cracks it. I uh, didn't know that. Uh, there's just like a lot of things I still learn. Um, but yeah, snow was definitely one of those things that I was like, there's white stuff falling from the sky and I'm scared as all heck and I'm freezing. Mm-hmm. Like where's my 50 degree weather in yeah. the winter? Like Christmas is when I have to put on a sweater and sweatpants, not like when I have to buy a winter coat and winter boots. Right. Yeah. So that was a big transition, obviously. Uh huh. What were some other things that maybe you weren't really expecting when you made the move up to Michigan? One, um, I thought I wanted to live alone, like so badly. Like I thought, like oh, knowing no one and whatever, it'll be fine. Like I'll find myself. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, I had no idea how lonely it would be. (laughs) I was like, I'm great at meeting people. I'm great at making friends. Like I can meet somebody and connect with them instantly, and I still feel like I can do that here. But like. I was like, living away from my mom won't be that hard. Like, I did it at Berkeley. Mind you, I was 9.7 miles away, yeah. not 2,000. Um, so I didn't expect to be, like, as lonely as and as homesick as I get very frequently. Um, I didn't expect to get accustomed to cold weather. Like, now I, like, I know how to dress for cold weather and act in cold weather, and that's really weird. Um, I went home for Christmas, and I was like, it's warm. Like what is and my this? mom was like, are you kidding me, Maddie? Like, this is the the coldest it's been in years, and you're going to say it's warm? And I was like, yeah, because it's two degrees uh-huh. back in Ypsilanti. <laughs> and she's like, oh, huh, yeah. Um, I didn't think when I moved to Ypsilanti and moved to Michigan and started this GA ship that I would feel so much like I was starting back at square one. I felt like I had four years of experience at Cal the industry or what we do here couldn't be that different. Like I'm going to understand it and it's just going to be like figuring a few things out and it's moving departments and moving schools with different beliefs and values and ways that they cover their teams. is It's a whole new learning process. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I prepared myself necessarily for that well enough. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, what would you say to somebody who is moving new departments and everything? Um, what's, what's a big adjustment? What do they need to do to be prepared for that sort of mentality? Um, I think a big thing that I really wish I would have done is like kind of snapped out of the idea that like, I think when you're going through the interview process, you have to like boast at how good you are at everything. So they'll mm-hmm. hire you and you're so in that mindset for so long. Um, and then you get to the new job and you're like, well, great. Like they know I'm good at everything. So yeah. like, that's why they hired me and that's why they picked me. And then you start to fail at things and you're like, well, what the heck? Like, yeah. no, I'm the best at everything. I'm great at everything. And so like being okay with the fact that like, getting adjusted and getting situated and getting the feel for things is going to take time. It's not going to be easy and simple like I thought it was going to be. Um, moving and changing things is, is very difficult and very hard. And I wish that I just had a little bit better of an expectation around how difficult a move plus a new job plus a new school plus like a new weather plus new environment. I wish I would have understood how hard that was going to be and I didn't. Um, and so like just having a more realistic look of the world 
mm-hmm. than rather like, I'm going to fit in and it's going to be great and it's going to be the best time of my life. And I wish I would have seen it a little bit more holistically and realistically and been like, okay, like this is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult. How am I going to figure this out? What steps do I need to take? What back step, like what things in my, my in my, in my repertoire, do I have that'll help here? Where do I need to grow? Where are my strengths going to be? Who am I really going to depend on? Um, what do I know makes me happy no matter where I am in this world? Like what location I'm in? What are those things that I have to do every day that make me happy? And how do I make sure I make time to do them every day? Okay. Um, and then like, I wish I would have brought some more home here, like more things that make me feel at home. It took me a long time to like get everything that actually made me feel like home here. I felt like a fresh start was good, but I think that bringing things that make you comfortable and warm and safe and all those things are important to have with you wherever you go and making sure you have those things and you know what those things are um, rather than just thinking that you'll be okay being uncomfortable for months on end Mm -hmm. with nobody that you know in a brand new place, which is, is difficult for sure. All right. Well, uh, last question before we'll move on here. Um, You mentioned earlier you had to learn a sport that you didn't know or didn't know. Um, What was that? Um, I can tell you the truth that right now I am our primary track and field um, contact here and I know nothing. Mm. nothing when it comes to track Uh and field um i'm still learning every single day terminology and understanding um i really just thought all i did was run a lot um and that's clearly such a misconception and i thought that having a background in cross country yeah like i thought that having a background in cross country would help um and it did for distance events but then there's sprints and hurdles and field events and all of these things that i just didn't have a huge background on and so learning that um and then truthfully learning football from a technical coverage standpoint is so different than being a fan Mm -hmm. like you don't just sit and you know like you're no longer the manager on the side of the field that can change whatever you want like you have to figure out the situation that you are in and the technicalities of your team and how your team functions quicker than you could imagine and so like that was a new language for me i thought of you know football for years as a fan but could i have told you and looked on the field right away and told you exactly every name of every position and what play they're about to run and why it's going to work when they run that play like absolutely not Mm -hmm. and so that was definitely like a growing experience for me um learning new systems learning how to manipulate the knowledge i did do have and that i don't have all at once okay well i can tell you from from experience one track try being an athlete where you're like oh my god we have to sit through hurdles i just want to run and be done with it and then two i'm like the biggest football fan i know and i still don't know the plays and the formations and everything so you're not alone in that um what would you say to somebody that uh is maybe testing out a new sport i mean what was kind of adjustment like for you um maybe some things that they don't understand how did you work through that um, reading other people's recaps, asking as many questions as you possibly can, looking dumb by asking so many questions, <laughs> like just try to soak up as much as you can. Like, why is this like this? Why does this mean this? Because you look ignorant by not asking the questions and getting it wrong rather uh-huh. than asking the questions and then getting it right, even if it took you a little bit longer. Now, that's not me saying, like, go and annoy everybody uh-huh. um, until they collapse with questions understand the correct timing of when to ask questions and when to do things. But like, you have no idea how long I had to 
it took me for me to finally feel like a recap I was giving my boss was good enough or really had the background of knowledge. And I still am growing when it comes to writing football recaps and writing for football is just a very different animal than I've ever worked in. Um, and it's not something I write with opinion, right? Like, you don't, yeah. as in sports information, you don't write opinion about football. And I could tell you, you a lot of my opinions about football when I have to go into the technicalities like it, it is a different animal um, and so you just have to not get down on yourself and remember that like this is learning football and understanding football I watching it as a fan and covering it as an SID are two incredibly different things and I'm not failing because I have to learn something new I'm learning something new and I'm letting a weakness become a strength over time and there's progress to be made and what progress can I be, can be made. And just like asking for as much help as you can reading other people's recaps. That that's something I wish I still spent more time doing. I still try to do all the time. Um, seeing how they say something and like why they, and how can you use that in your writing and such. Okay. Give me one second here. Let me check something. I'd like to transition this part of the interview where I'd like to ask some fun questions. Uh, first part I have for you, Maddie, is uh, okay. your uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure. Um, okay. One was not working. I have two. Okay. One was not working in sports information, but working in sports in general. I got to work the Super Bowl when it was here in Santa Clara. Wow. And here, it, I still sometimes talk like I'm in You're California. On, yeah. But I did get to work the Super Bowl when it was in Santa Clara. Um, and that was in, in a really incredible um, opportunity and thing I got to do. And I would say, like, my second, oh, man, um, I have so, so, so much respect um, for Cal Women's Basketball and Lindsay Gottlieb. And that is one memory of working um, under her and her SIDs and her staff and her, her athletes. Like, that memory in general is one that I hold so near and dear to my heart um, and something that, like, I look for a type of coach like her and a group of athletes like her every single day and the type of um, teams I want to cover. Um, so that's, I, I know that's like a very overarching no. memory, but it's one that I hold so near and I want to feel that love and passion. Like as soon as I got back to Berkeley, I made sure I went and saw a game and, you know, it was something, it's something that's so important to me and something that connects me so much to this sport is the love that she shows her coaches and her athletes and the family environment she makes it. And I don't know. It's just a, a good memory I have. Okay, well, what about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Um, I mean, I think a lot of just, like, being a woman in sports, I get a lot of... I had someone ask me once if I was pregnant. Um, mm. I was really uncomfortable. Yeah. I got a lot of, like, are you the water girl? What are you doing here? Um, I spent a lot of time just, like, trying to learn how to get over that. Um, but, yeah... I'd be asked if I was pregnant when I was standing next to my boss. Um, that was something mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I was 19 sure. years old. Uh, yeah, it was, it was it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Um, first of all, like be prepared to work really hard. Um, this isn't something that comes easily, I think, to anybody. Like, I don't think this is a profession that you're just naturally good at. It's a profession where you work really hard to be good at it. Um, be ready to soak up and learn. And my second piece of advice is 
to make sure this is something you're passionate about. If you do something that you're not passionate about, it's going to be work. But if you do something you're passionate about, it is a career and it is your life and it is something to move 2,000 miles away for. Okay. Well, um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Um, I got to work with some really incredibly talented GAs um, before they both left their full-time positions here at Eastern. Um, they both did a lot of um, more of the digital media side of things. So I got to see Tim Hepler, who was an incredibly creative and um, innovative graphic designer here for us at Eastern while also being an SIB, which is crazy. And then I got to work with Trent Hanselman, who was an incredible videographer. Um, and those are two things that are just such weaknesses of mine. I'm very a traditional SID, I would like to call it. Mm-hmm. And so I hope to learn more of how to create really cool graphics and how to storytell in the way like that they, they two did, obviously in a way that was good enough to get them full-time positions in their passionate field. Mm-hmm. In your mind, uh, what traits or characteristics make a good SID? Um, I think that you have to be passionate for sure. You have to care, but you also need to know your boundaries of like, you need to be able to set expectations of yourself and others, um, very well. You have to be organized, timely, thinking ahead constantly. Um, and you need to be able to take everything with a grain of salt, especially criticism with a grain of salt. Okay. And sometimes construction criticism is, uh, I feel like some people don't take that very well. You should, some people should probably start taking that sort of thing very well. But um, what is a uh, work-life balance? What do you do to have fun? Um, I do a lot. I love to work out. It's something I've like, really gotten very motivated in. I've lost a lot of weight since I moved to Atlanta, so I love to cook and work out and work on myself. So, like, with self um, self motivation and self-development and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I love to read and uh, meditate and work out and eat healthy. Um, And then I'm a big, big Netflix and uh, sleep. You know how people say Netflix and chill and it has that connotation. I'm a Netflix and sleep kind of girl. Like watch Netflix alone and then turn over in bed and sleep by myself. It's a great life. I love it. Highly recommend to all you uh, (laughs) SIDs out there. Awesome. Well, um, I'll let you take a pick next time someone is either in the uh, Berkeley area or the Ypsilanti area. What's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Okay. If you're in Berkeley, for sure, go to Sliver Pizzeria. Um, Cheeseboard is like very famous for having it's like different pizza every single day, but Sliver is cheaper and better and closer to hospitalian, so you can get over to watch a Cal men's basketball game or a Cal women's basketball game. Awesome, cool. Well, um, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, have any questions for you, what would be the best way to do it? Um, you can definitely reach out to me on Twitter. I'm super active. You can read about my uh, constant failures about being a Michigander. But uh, actually, in my heart, being a Californian, um, so I I'll, I tweet a lot about that. It's really funny. I'm just at Maddie Heaps, uh, my full name. So yeah, if you ever wanted to reach out there, and then uh, my email is just my first initial and my last name at emish.edu. If you ever want to email or reach out to me. Awesome. Well, Maddie, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks. You too, David. Well, guys, there you have it. Just to remind you real quick before I get into uh, promoing next week, uh, we will are still actually accepting applications to the SIDcast Huddle program. If you don't know what that is, just look up uh, 
the graphic on Twitter, on Facebook. You can go back to the intro of this episode to get the requirements for that. And then email us, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. Deadline is Friday, which is tomorrow. Um, might extend that a little bit. Don't tell anybody. But anyway, next week we will have Eric Root of the UNCW. Uh, I believe there's the Seahawks. Yes, they are, of the CAA. We'll go through a lot of lacrosse stuff. That was my lacrosse episode that I've always wanted. Uh, and it was a lot of fun, and I can't wait for you guys to hear that. So without further ado, guys... Thank you all for listening, and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.